0: Welcome to another episode of We'll See You in Hell, your favorite podcast where we discuss horror, sci-fi, fantasy, sometimes action, and occasionally now mob movies. I'm one of your hosts, Joe DeRosa.
1: I'm the other of your hosts, Patrick Walsh. It's a rare AM recording of We'll See You in Hell. Uh, Top of the morning to you. Enjoying some Morning Joe with my Morning Joe, Joe DeRosa. We're uh, your drive-time crew, your uh, drive-time commute. Mm. Um, yeah, we just talked on the Patreon <laughs> about Gotti. So if you're on the fence about signing up for the Patreon, I recommend doing so. Joe and I discuss our viewing of Gotti. We discuss uh, mob movies in general. We discuss, you know, all the directorial Directorial efforts of uh, Kevin Connolly, mm-hmm. he from Entourage, my favorite director, and uh, we get into a lot of things. We talk about Golden Girls Live, which was a live drag show Joe and I saw this weekend. Um, it's it's a it's a fun one. Check it out.
0: Uh, it's a fun one, and you're a fun one. You're a fun
1: one too, Joe. This uh, morning we are talking about Army of Darkness, uh, which has long been requested. And we'll get to it eventually. It was actually the first of the Evil Dead films that I saw. And I had a poster up for Army of Darkness. I'm looking at Joe's VHS copy of it right now. I had this poster up in my room for most of my childhood. It came out in, what, 93? Uh Uh-huh. 13 to 16, I had this poster up, having never seen the movie. It's a great poster. Great poster. You
0: had it up because of the rippled, muscly, shirtless man on it, correct? Correct. Him and also the
1: heavily doctored uh, female lead, M. Beth Davids. They didn't use her body or her face uh, for this poster. I guess they thought that wasn't going to sell units. Yeah,
0: it's odd, isn't it?
1: It is odd. But, um, yeah, I I definitely cranked it to that poster. I'm not going to lie to you. I was 13, people. All right. cranked it to uh, pretty much anything that came into my field of vision. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll talk about it. I don't know what Joe thinks of the movie. I, he actually had a bit of a tone when I brought it up, but yet I, yet he owns it. But he's a walking contradiction. So well, when,
0: when do I not have a tone, first of all? You've always got a tone. And if you're going to refer to me as a Green Day song, I'd prefer Basket Case <laughs> over Walking Contradiction. You are a Basket Case, although I love
1: the song Walking Contradiction.
0: I love it, too. But Basket Case is the Green Day's greatest song ever written. It's it's unquestionably great. It was it was beaten to death on the radio, but I mean, the first time I heard that song, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, this they is awesome. You know, they are now treated in a, just a pile of uh,
1: forgettable shit. Like you know, like they're always lumped together with all those pop punk bands, and you know, they they didn't invent the form, but I really don't understand why they started getting shat on. Makes no sense to me. They it's were relevant their music for...
0: start to suck. <laughs> Well, sure. Did you uh, were you a fan of through American Idiot or no. or no? I was long gone before. Ameri- I believe Nimrod was the final thing of quality they put out. Nimrod is great, almost a double album, really. Yeah. Um, after that, they did Warning, which was like the sort of like acoustic one. I liked
1: Warning. I yeah. liked some songs on Warning. I prefer probably American Idiot to Warning, but that no, was that was got, when I got out.
0: It got too Broadway. Yeah, which then eventually literally led to Broadway. Yeah, But like it just got too like and it was also kind of trite during that period, like that whole like. Yeah, it was during the Bush era and everybody was suddenly was a political band and it was it was just annoying and it was it was just had been said so much. It was.
1: I didn't even listen to those Uno Dos Trace albums that came out.
0: I did. They had their moments. I mean, I'm not going to say they were without value, but they were not great albums. Right. They just became too. Uh... I don't know, but a lot of people thought that when they put out Dookie, just because it was on a major label. But Dookie's a really good record.
1: Love Dookie. I mean, the the ones that everyone says are their true punk albums. They're not. They're not great, guys. Kerplunk and the other one. Kerplunk is much better than Slappy Hours. Yeah, uh, I like Enema of the State. I mean, I'm not pretending I'm some hardcore punk. I like Blink One Eighty Two for a couple albums there. Really, you you never identified as a hardcore <laughs> punk. I know you might think that about me, but no.
0: Well, just cuz of the nose ring and the constant oys that you're always letting <laughs> out. <laughs> but uh uh the the wallet chain. <laughs> uh
1: yeah, I was more of a hot topic punk,
0: you know. <laughs> well, that uh, would that would can that would ch- uh, uh explain the wallet chain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I uh you know, look, sometimes I'll go uh, into a public place wearing that Nirvana shirt with the smiley face on it, you know. Uh-huh. That, so I, I do definitely represent some more kind of obscure, off-the-beaten-path <laughs> punk music, but...
0: Right. That's what I always liked about you, you know. Yeah. You march to the beat of your own drummer. I've, I've always said that about you.
1: That's true. Look, I uh, I took a picture in front of CBGB's once. I was there. <laughs> uh joe what's going on with you you're a you're a mess i assume place place is not a mess ladies place is tidy uh
0: i've gotten the the new apartment to where i like it now yeah it took me a minute to get it all set up right but i've got it all set up right now and i like it and i actually think i'm going to be selling my galaga machine okay i was i was wondering about that um, I'm gonna keep that beautiful Star Wars machine. It's my prized possession. I know you're keeping that, but the Galaga machine—it's sort of, you know, it's not really the machine. It's an old cabinet, but the artwork looks to be reproduced to me, and and it's got a sixty-in-one game board in it. So it's not like it's an—it's not like it's a classic thing. It's a very modded up. How much are you gonna get for it? Brand? I bet you I could get fifteen hundred bucks for this. <laughs> all right, I bet you. Would you sell it, it.
1: like, to an individual or to a... I'm going to sell it
0: back to the store I bought it from.
1: Well, surely they'll not give
0: you a great price for it, right? Well, I paid more than that. Okay. I'm just thinking what I could get for it. Yeah. But it would also just clear up some space over there and... Right. You know what I mean?
1: Sometimes you want to stand in the corner of your apartment. (laughs) Blair Witch style. (laughs) And stare into a corner, you know?
0: Is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. If there is, I don't want to be right. <laughs> uh, plus, I don't have room out here for my Vectrex machine, which is a very cool little machine. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I, is that you know, a workout I... machine? No, it's a video game okay. console. But that is something that Not is a gamer. Never claimed very anything. unique and very authentic. And I can't put it out here because I have nowhere to put it. If I, move, if I get rid of that um, uh, uh, Galaga machine, then I could have my Vectrex back out here again. All right. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is probably interesting to anybody, but that's what's going on in my life Not right me, now. but, uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, I've started doing a meditation app.
1: <laughs> How's that going? Uh, I would say it's helped very, very slightly, which is better than not helping at all. But all right. it whether, you know, it does help to sit in the morning and instead of uh, slowly spiral out of control, to sit and take 10 minutes of deep breaths while I guy with a british accent tells you you're doing great.
0: Okay. Um, now this is a guy you bring into the house. I pay him, yes. All right. It's $500 a sesh. Does he have a british accent in real life or does he just I put it on? I suspect
1: that it's fake, which I tend to focus on taking me out of the meditation. <laughs> but uh no, it's helpful. It's the the Headspace app. I had wanted to do it uh when I was going to therapy, it was recommended to me about a million times since she's like if you won't go on antidepressants and you won't meditate, like you're going to go insane. The meditation helps. I, my, I'm my i back running a show. It's monumentally stressful every second of every day. It helps to just sit, check out, not look at my phone. It's a good way to kind of start the day and center yourself. And there's little things. He gives you little tips throughout the day. He's like, when you get out of a chair or get into a chair, take the time to go, I'm I'm standing up or I'm sitting down. He's like, I know it sounds stupid, but it'll help remind you of who you are, where you are. Right. And because Paul
0: McCartney f- is the, doing the app. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Then the next morning he's like, you didn't remember to, to, to check it when you were standing or sitting down, did you? And every morning now for four weeks, I have not remembered to do it one time. How much is this app every month? I might do it. Uh, for a year they have con- i'll send you i'll forward you the next special because it's 99 dollars, but they drop it all the time to 40 dollars for the year for a year and they have all kinds they have creativity like they have special guided ones like uh i do the anxiety one i gotta do this because
0: i'm not going to i'm not going to therapy anymore i'm on the meds it's helpful i'm not going to therapy
1: i don't yeah. give a shit It it helps me out a little bit. You know what doesn't help me is meditating and then drinking a 64-ounce iced coffee on an empty stomach. But that's what I'm doing, folks.
0: I am hungry right now in a way I can't even explain.
1: Famished. And yet we're still bringing the heat.
0: And uh, and I'm drinking a big coffee, too, and it's making me sick, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, you get that kind of little bit of nausea, a little bit of
0: heartburn feeling.
1: I don't like it. I puked this week for the first time in ages, just simply due to nerves. Really? Um, so yeah, some some's got to give, and uh, you know, we'll see what it is. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe, I'd love to take you if I could over to Pat's movie corner would, before
0: you start the show. Would
1: you, well, no, I guess I could start the show. Get on with the show and at the same time get on with the jo. that's a repeat it's not it was requested and i said i didn't want to do it and then a guy said please do my request sent me a message and now i'm doing it
0: i thought you did that one already
1: i think i might have said somebody requested it and i don't do requests and then this guy wrote me and was like please do it so look, well, even if I did do it, I, I don't I don't really care at this point. All right, fair enough. Um I somebody asked me for something and I like to make the fans happy, you mm-hmm.
0: know?
1: So Pat's movie corner. Mm-hmm. I think today I'm gonna focus on three television shows. And I will start with Detroiters. Mm-hmm uh detroiters is on comedy central it stars sam richardson who you may know as the only black person ever to appear on veep um i think that might be pretty close to true although that show for some reason never gets any flack for it um and also a guy who you probably don't remember from saturday night live because he didn't really make an impression there but his name is tim robinson didn't make an impression on me. I didn't think he was very funny. Okay. On Detroiters, these two are fantastic. It is a great reminder that sometimes SNL is just not a good showcase. Right. For what people do well. Ben Stiller did not thrive at Saturday Night Live. You know, he did funny shit, but he wasn't making an impact there. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. Uh, Detroiters is about two guys who are very low-level ad execs who make commercials You get the feeling the show was pitched as going to be a lot of commercial parodies, but they really don't go to that well very often. Uh, It is a very, very, very funny show. It is very kind of surreal at times. The first season is, I would say, significantly better than the second, funnier. Second season just wrapped up. I have now seen every episode of it. Um, It's all delightful. It's got a delightful theme song. The first season has a scene where uh Tim Robinson is has a realization that he can't sing. Uh and he keeps trying to sing like in this recording booth, he goes in and just screams about and he keeps trying and each time you see in his face that he thinks maybe this will be the time a perfect voice comes out <laughs> and it causes him to start screaming at the end and he's like I can't sing. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm describing it okay, but this scene is one of the funniest uh, television scenes I've ever seen in my life. I think the show is great. I recommend you watch it.
0: I hear great things. I got to check it out. Very, and very I funny. I don't have Comedy Central. And I don't have a lot of willpower. Yeah. I or drive it. is the better term. Sure. But I'll try to get to it.
1: There's a there's a, there's a real charm to it. I like the show a lot.
0: I, uh, well, if you want to talk TV things, I saw finally Alan Partridge... Scissored Isle, which is the new or the latest Alan Partridge. uh, Wasn't that coming to the CISO? It was on TV in England. It was supposed to come up, it was supposed to come to Netflix, I think. Anyway, it's an hour special. Where did Uh, you see it? uh, It's on YouTube. I just watched it on YouTube. Okay. Um, I got to see this thing. Any good? It's great. It's Alan Partridge. It's hilarious. The plot of this one is he's doing an almost like uh almost like a Michael Moore style investigative report into the into the quote lower classes end yeah. quote of England. Yeah. And then the gag is is you know, he goes to Manchester and he's like, I have never seen anything like it. They have these stores that that are the source of their economy, they're they're referred to as supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he has. There's a really funny bit where he becomes a checker for the day, just so he can live like the common man. Yeah. And this old lady comes with her groceries, and she doesn't understand. Like to put, he he for some reason wants her to put the the groceries on at the end of the belt so he can move them. Uh huh. And she keeps bringing them to the front, and he's like, No, 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 to the end, to the end. I bring them forward. I bring them. You know, <laughs> I have seen it, and it's just like an Abbott and Costello. Like, yeah, you know. I have seen this. Yes. It was great. I watched it, uh, Granny on YouTube or something. It was great. Uh, it was really, really funny. Um, there's another really funny part where he goes after a guy for like unfair wages at his company or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you bastard. And he's screaming at him and everything. And then the guy's like, stick to radio, mate. This isn't your thing. And the and Alan Parcher's like, radio, what do you mean? Do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, I listen to you every morning. And then immediately he's like, all right, well just try then if you could yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) if i've never recommended it on here the alan partridge
1: audiobook fully read by coogan as alan partridge is the one of my favorite pieces of comedy of all time it's great and i have not yet listened to alan partridge nomad the follow-up but i'm very excited to i've listened to parks and nomad it's very funny there's a joke every other sentence yeah. in the Partridge book. They really didn't phone it in. Now, an audio book I'm listening to now that did phone it in a bit sadly, although it's not without its charms, is uh, Toast on Toast, because I got deeply into Toast of London, my I next television it. show, which I know we discussed on here. The, the pilot of it, I was kind of like, okay, but... Episode two, I just really snapped onto the wavelength. I watched that entire three season show Gets in about in your a week. Bones. Yeah, I you can't get enough. I you find yourself talking like the guy. Yeah. Uh, Toast of London on Netflix is a fantastic, fantastic British comedy. I recommend it. And highly. wait,
0: did you get the audiobook of Toast on Toast? Yeah. Is it good? I'm an hour
1: in and I've yet to like laugh out loud. Uh, I was expecting a Partridge-level thing, and this feels a little bit like it kind of rushed. Okay. But i it's not bad, by any means. I, I can't tell you not to listen to it. Okay. But uh, if you have not watched Toast of London, it is really something special. It is the boss from the IT crowd, Matt Barry, uh, who is just a super funny dude. I, at some point, locked into him doing a little bit of Austin Powers, Mike Myers. Uh, There's a hint of it. And then it was hard to separate that for me, but Austin Powers is a hilarious character. And uh, Toast of London has some of the greatest bits. The bits where he is recording, uh, it it starts pretty much every show, but the bits where he is trying to record an (laughs) audio book or a voiceover or whatever with those guys who are like winding him up. Steven, this is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Yes,
1: I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> yes, you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> we watched a collection of those uh, in the writer's room at work. No one had seen the show, and they had a YouTube compilation. People were just, like, screaming, laughing. It's, I mean, when you watch them back to back, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the show is, it takes big swings. It's spotty. It's hit and miss. But the hits are really, really something. I recommend it.
0: Yeah, it's a great show. Yes. Uh, They're doing season four, too, so that's exciting. Really? Yeah.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Was that your thing? Was that your go? Sure. All right. I saw Black Klansman. Can't wait to see it. Spike Lee's finest film since Malcolm X.
1: All right. I was hoping there was a disclaimer.
0: Well, since Malcolm X, but I mean, it is up there, in my opinion, with Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing and all of his best work. That's it, that's really big talk. I don't give a shit. All right. I mean, I, I'm
1: excited to see it, but that's very big
0: talk. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Okay. Now, I put, I put uh, my special category of films with Malcolm X. I mean, excuse me, with Spike Lee. Yeah. Are Malcolm X, which is one of my ten favorite films of all time. Sure. Uh, I would put Do the Right Thing in that category. One of my ten favorite films of all time. Um. I would put... Oh, now I'm blanking on all Spike Lee movies. 25th Hour. No. I fucking love 25th I Hour. I love it too. Uh, but I think there's... I think he makes certain movies that transcend just being movies. They're riveting stories, and they're so socially relevant at the time they come out. It's it's almost jaw-dropping. Uh, and Do the Right Thing was one of those. Malcolm X was one of those. This is definitely one of those. Like, it... it it is alarming how many parallels there are between the storyline of a of a black of the first black cop in um where does it take place uh, Colorado Springs or whatever yeah uh in the 70s realizing that that was a thing they didn't have a black officer yet in Colorado Springs until the 70s uh which is crazy yeah we we it's just the whole movie is we realize how shallow, how shallowly planted these 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 roots of of uh, racism truly are. Like, or that's the wrong way to put it. They're deeply planted, but you know we haven't grown past this past Probably the not. roots no. for very long now. Um, it's a fina- fascinating film. It's an amazing story. Washington hits a, a grand slam. Driver hits a grand slam. The movie's perfectly cl- cast. It's beautifully directed. How's Topher Grace? He's phenomenal. All Everybody right. is great. It is. It is. A, it is a perfect film. Um, and then he does the. Well, I don't want to tell you what he does, but but I'm going to see it. By the weekend. end of this thing, you're almost in tears at how, uh, and you'll see why. Over the social relevance of it all, I've uh, heard from people who liked it a lot, and the
1: criticisms I've heard just as much as the praise were a it's a mess it's not a mess okay absolutely not a mess that's a ridiculous statement and b it gets real heavy-handed by the end yeah it's about the clan <laughs> sure I mean I, I I'm not coming down on either side, I haven't seen it.
0: I'm Trust just telling me, you what I keep hearing from people. It's 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 the best film he has done in a long time. Now look, I loved Inside Man and 25th hour and all that. stuff. That's 15 years ago at this point. I mean, he he has when when they've called
1: him out for being in slumps before uh I don't think he has been. He's he's been in a bit of a slump of late. Like it's it was hard to get through that Vampire one and I did that not get tough. through. It was it tough. It was, was she Hate Me, which is pretty old, is a terrible movie. Ch- Chi-Town? What was it called? Chirac. Chirac. Was like they were, that's like they were ra- like rapping in Shakespearean style yeah. or something. I, didn't, I, I never even started that one. And but that's, that's
0: he why, is one of our best directors. That's why I'm saying that this film is so special is because... Could you close your legs, please? Why?
1: <laughs> Folks, Joe has legs spread wide open <laughs> with me looking directly into his
0: nutsack. Well, look. If I was wearing
1: pants, it wouldn't bother you, would it? I, it would, but you're wearing shorts.
0: No, I, I actually can't look at you. I meant that I was naked.
1: Oh, okay, I got you. It was a joke, you fucking idiot. Well, I, I was answering it in a in a very reasonable
0: manner. You're wearing I, shorts. I'm sorry. I, I'm just trying to be comfortable. Be comfortable. When I talk about socially and racially relevant films, I like to be comfortable. <laughs> you don't got to share and Stone me your balls. Uh. It's it's a movie that hits the notes that a movie like Jungle Fever, for instance, hits in in its commentary on a in a racial in the sense of a racial commentary. But every once in a while, he does it at exactly the right time, and right. it's perfect. Right. And this was that. Not to say that Chirac wasn't something that should have been talked about. I just felt the execution of the film wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. Did you see uh, it? I saw it. Yeah. I got to see it. My only complaint... He also got a lot of shit for that movie. He did. But
1: um... my biggest complaint about Spike Lee has always been the blaring, trumpet-heavy <laughs> jazz scores. Right. That's the only issue I've had, like with even with his masterpieces, of which there are several. I'm always like, can we at least turn down the trumpet in the
0: mix? There's a... Uh... Really, really, really funny line in Black Klansman uh, when Ron Stallworth, who's the who's the character that that basically sets up the meeting, yeah, he goes to his like superior at the police department, and he's like, and the guy's like, you want to what? Yeah, that's how the scene starts, you know? Yeah, he's like, sir, I want to infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. Uh huh. Now, I've already got a meeting to meet with one of them, one of their recruiters. The guy just goes, uh. I wouldn't go to that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> like it. I like it. Yeah, it's very funny. Um Adam Driver is becoming in my opinion our our finest newest young actor. He's good. Really, I always he's like really him. Really great. He's good. Um and then also great Spike Le- Spike Lee, traditional Spike Lee stuff hits it from all angles. Doesn't just hit it from the perspective of how do black people deal with racism in this time period? Right. Gets into it from different angles and, and challenges you from different angles. And it's really, really, really great. Uh, it's a wonderful film. Can't recommend it enough. Can't wait to see it. My only criticism was the casting of Nick Totoro, Turturro, John Totoro's brother, as yeah. a astute clansman. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Spike Lee has a, a
1: real allegiance to the Totoros, clearly.
0: He loves the Tutturos. Yeah. I love the Tutturos. I've actually met Nick Tutturo. He's great. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's like another like a Joe Pesci type, right? But you know, so it's it, the The, the brothers are so Italian. They look like they look like Puerto Rican or something. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like they are they are the most Italian men I've ever seen ever. Like it's very Sicilian Italian. Whatever happened so when to he's that- running around a clan meeting, being like, "Shall we tell the Grand Wizard?" <laughs> it's, right. it's just a little weird. And well, maybe that's historically accurate. I, I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I yeah. was like, but then my friend, uh, who I saw the film with, she said, she said, you know, maybe she goes, "Look, maybe that was the point. Maybe Spike Lee's point was like, these guys don't really care, right? If you're, you know." Italian and whatever And by the way When I say he's They're so Italian Look Puerto Rican I don't mean that to be funny I'm saying like There is a level of Italian That you would constitute As almost not Caucasian Right You know what I mean and yeah. It's the same thing With, with certain uh, certain areas of Spain And stuff So it's like It's like I, And she was like I think maybe that was the point Was, was She was like As long as you're not black Yeah um, But 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 I don't know If that was the point or not
1: Whatever happened to Like Two years ago, they were making a John Turturro starring spinoff of The Big Lebowski. It was made. It was made and not
0: released? It maybe just hasn't been released yet. That doesn't bode well. Um, It's an odd concept. I can't wrap my head around it.
1: I mean, you're making a comedy about a pedophile. (laughs) It is... That's that's
0: it. It's an odd concept, yeah. And you love that character in the movie, even though he is a pedophile. Yeah. But you love him because it's John Turturro is very funny, very funny. But he's also not the guy you're rooting for. You you want the dude, yes, to beat him in the bowling thing, of course. Uh, do you think the Coen Brothers will ever revisit those characters? No,
1: they don't do sequels.
0: I mean, it's such a cult following they don't and they won't
1: i was i couldn't believe they licensed it over to Tortura.
0: i i mean apparently Tortura was very responsible for like that character yeah. like the, you know he really p- took it to another right place you know but uh i'm excited to see their new uh the ballad
1: of brigsby brugs or whatever it is the uh, they were it was going to be a tv show and now they're making it a movie What's it about? It's a Netflix Western with starring Tim Blake Nelson. Is it a comedy? I'm. Sh- it looks like their usual fare. All right. But it was going to be a six-part series, and now it's a movie. So that's also a little strange. But they, they said they didn't want people watching them out of order or they didn't want people skipping ahead to what they heard was the best episode or whatever. And I get that. So now it's just a six-hour movie. I don't know how long it is, but yes. They might have also just realized they didn't have enough goods for six. Who knows? Uh, Joe, have you yet watched Who is America, the Sasha Baron Cohen vehicle?
0: I've seen some of it. I don't have Showtime, but I've seen what I could, and I enjoyed what I saw. I
1: watched the premiere, and I was giddily texting Joe like, this is the most exciting thing to happen to comedy in a while. I can't wait to see who he goes after. This is what we need right now. And it was very smart and political and exciting to me to expose these people who just first strike against them, they're stupid enough to not know that this is Sasha Baron Cohen or a, clearly a guy in prosthetics because the prosthetics are ludicrous. But yeah. that's how dumb these people are and... He goes after some big names, and that stuff is great. But very quickly, it became and still remains a show that is obsessed with sex jokes, cum jokes, shit jokes, piss jokes, etc. And Sasha Baron Cohen has never been able to shake that. He has such a love of scatological comedy. Like, the, the dictator was almost overwhelmed by that stuff at a certain point even though it had really smart stuff to say. the uh grimsby that i was one of the few people that saw the brothers Grimsby. the brothers Grimsby. you grimsby, saw that saw it in theaters how was it it had a couple laughs but it was very bad and there's a scene where he's like you know like face down and, and precious the actress who played precious gabouret sidibe he's going down on her and there's many jokes about that there's an elephant who sprays him with, like, a swimming pool amount of cum. Okay. You know, like, it's basically the now Ace I Ventura... I want to see this thing. It's basically the Ace Ventura joke where he's inside a rhino or an elephant, you know, like, inside his ass. But then another elephant comes up and fucks and then sprays him with cum. Okay. And you're just like, how is this the same guy? How are you this smart that you're able to infiltrate top government officials and expose their hypocrisies and yet you'll also devote 20 minutes to trying to get a woman to cut her pubes off which well, it's, was it's, a very funny segment but it's
0: it's um you know it's the same thing with mike myers like well, he said that it's on exactly the, right inside the outdoor studio he goes look there's a lot of highbrow stuff and then i have him drink poop yeah which is my favorite scene that's in-
1: my least favorite scene i mean it's a different of taste difference of taste but, Hearing
0: Michael York say it is shit, Austin, <laughs> is very funny to me.
1: I mean, I like the lowbrow and the highbrow, and I like it when it's mixed too. But for me, th- this is like a, this was an important thing. This show, like from, from the jump, I was like, he's got access to these people that nobody has. We can really see these people for who they really are. But he he gets too swept away for my taste. With the shit and the piss. And this one, I mean, he plays a guy named, like, Bruce Cello, who's, like, a super NPR-loving, uh, very... Mm. And even that, he starts taking kind of two easy shots right away. But a big, like, Hillary guy and PETA guy and so Yeah, yeah. And the first one, where he's talking to this, like, clearly closeted man and his Southern Baptist wife about how he is in love with a dolphin... And he doesn't think that America should judge him on that. And they're <laughs> like, that was in the pilot episode, and I was like howl laughing at these two. Like it was a genius segment. But by now, in last week's episode, he wants to experience childbirth, so he puts a fake vagina onto his asshole.
0: <laughs> this sounds great.
1: it's just this segment is 20 minutes of a show all right then you have like this here's where i start to bump on it you have an actual hispanic barely speaks english nurse who he is now forcing to completely fist his asshole (laughs) on television and he keeps clenching his ass i guess on her hand and she's like i i i don't want to hurt you i need to get more lubricant i can't but she's real so this, I don't know how this isn't sexual assault at some point, and she's got her hands stuck in his asshole and is yanking it back and forth. And at some point, you are laughing at this, but you're just—I don't kinda know how like, you couldn't be. You're not alive <laughs> if you're not laughing. You're just like, how did it get here? Like this show could have done so much because you only get one shot at it. Well, part of it, part of it. Look, look. Did this Nobody's going to let first, him in their
0: office again. I don't agree with. I don't agree with this show is so important. I don't think anything needs to be thought of that way in the realm of comedy. I think comedy can help. I wish there was a better balance is all I'm saying. Sure, sure. But anyway, I think comedy obviously can help as a great way of commentating or whatever. Yes. uh, You know, but, um, you know, I think, look, part of what Sasha, part of what he's doing is he's also mocking the character that he's. The people that he's parodying as he as these characters, he's also mocking them. Yeah. So some of this is just like the this a guy like this is so extreme. I wouldn't be surprised if he did something this ridiculous for sure. So that's part of there's it. There's a bit where he's talking to a guy who
1: sells yachts to people, and he's and it's a great bit. And he's clearly clearly this guy like is is a scumbag. And he's like, well, what if I want to you know transport uh, you know underage girls? No matter what he says, the guy's like, it's your yacht, man. You can do what you want. And it keeps going and going and going. Right. And at some point, the guy's girlfriend, or, you know, it's a fake, like, kind of porny actress who's portraying his girlfriend, starts giving him a handjob under a towel while he's talking to the guy about yachts. (laughs) Then she goes head under the blanket and starts blowing him to completion. I mean, it's faked, obviously. And the guy sits there and is just still, let's talk yachts. because he must deal with the absolute scum of the earth that is using sexual scatological humor to really prove a point the other ones just go off the rails to me but the show is nonetheless fascinating it's just i thought what what it could have been i guess but then again we don't know i i want to know how this show was made because it boggles the mind that these people let this stuff I go I have on.
0: friends that worked on it, uh, you know? Yeah. And I didn't even know they were working on it. I mean, yeah. it was utter secrecy. That's... It uh, got a little
1: flack because it's like a 20-dude-zero-woman 20, 20 writing room.
0: Uh, No, I know some women that were in their writing. It's not... They're not credited. Uh, Well, that's odd. But I know... I yeah. I, I mean, maybe they were... I think... I don't think... I think he only had two permanent writers, and then he had people coming. I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't explain. But I, I have a friend that worked on the show, and she said it was a lot of fun. But All right. I can't speak to what the credit was for that. Right. But um, anyway, it's, it's a fascinating program. Don't get
1: me wrong. I just, you know, I think he, he takes his eye off the ball a little bit. And even in simple ones where he's got, like, Dick Cheney there or somebody where you're like, oh, there's so much. Actual hypocrisy and stuff to latch on to, he winds up like trying to get them to say testicles or something, and you're like, "No, man!
0: Like, you could do that with anyone off the street." You have Dick Cheney here. Well, listen, you also don't know what's not being shown. Maybe he true. tried for all this other stuff, That's and true. it's like, "Look, if all else fails, do this." That's true. So I don't know, but uh, my my hats off to him for making a good show. Uh, what I've seen of it was funny, but uh, yeah, it's it's something else for sure. Um. I'll close us out with one you've already spoken about. I saw three identical strangers. What do you think? I was on a plane. I said, "There's that documentary Pat was talking about. Let me watch it." Amazing! It's really an all-time great documentary. I would say earth-shattering. Yeah,
1: just amazing. Something else, and then it it, it uh, it's like a fascinating story and a perfect exa- perfect uh, setup for a documentary. But it goes to such like broader, bigger places by the end.
0: Yeah. And you had said on here during your review, it starts to take some dark turns. Yeah. So when I first started watching it and the brothers are sort of saying things, it's upbeat, but the brothers are saying things like, we were so happy. Yeah. And you're going, oh, God, where's this going to go? Yeah. And then don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But you think this is a family movie. Yeah you start to think about crimes of the family, and that's, that's kind of where my head went, and that's not what it was at all. It, yeah. was, it was so much bigger than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, it's, it's got, I assume you were thinking of molestation or something like that. But something, yeah. It,
1: uh, yeah, it's got a really kind of more global, universal uh, message by the end of it that kind of shook me up. It wound up getting me talking about my own family and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, it was a great, great
0: movie. Great. Let me take you to scary stuff. I got one thing real quick. I've been on a Star Wars kick lately. Yes. Uh, Folks, Star Wars fans, I implore you, if you live near a video arcade, like an actual video arcade, you need to call that arcade and ask them if they have a game called Star Wars Battle Pod in the arcade. If they say yes, you need to go there immediately. And play this game.
1: Leave your baby in the car, in the hot car, and run inside. That's how urgent it is yes. to play this video game.
0: It's it's a full pod that you climb into. I haven't played it. I, I'm, I'm adding to the hyperbole. Full pod that you climb into. There's a 180-degree screen in there. You're surrounded, essentially, by screen. It's a first-person flight shooter. You do all the missions of Star Wars. The graphics are incredible. Everywhere you look, your peripheral, you're you it's you're in the game. the The goddamn thing blows wind at you and shit like that. Like when you accelerate, and apparently there's one that actually moves. The whole pod actually moves. I didn't get to play that one. I played the, I played the one that's just you sit down and and look at a screen and play, which was really cool. But then I actually played the one that you get inside and it was the pod, and that was fucking amazing. I mean, it, it is the closest you're ever going to come to being in Star Wars. All right. It's better than any uh, the... You know, I, I love all those Disney rides where, you know, Star Tours and all that shit. This this makes that shit look like fucking child's play. It is awesome. Now, you have referred to about 10
1: different games on this podcast as the closest you can get to being in Star Wars. Uh, no, I haven't. But this is the new one? No, I haven't.
0: I said that Force Awakens was the closest you're going to come to be, being a Jedi. Okay. Because that when okay. you have force powers. All right. All right. All right. I, I guess I, I missed the difference. Well, I'll tell you what I miss. You being a friend. <laughs> let's get to our movie. Uh, well, don't you think I could
1: maybe go to the fucking scary stuff All right, corner? Yeah,
0: no, let's, let's see what you, you're going to do this, week. You, this saw, week. you saw a box on the street that had a, a, a skull painted a on it. A spooky
1: box. This week, I do have one, and it couldn't be more fitting because I have to highly recommend the Shout Factory edition of Army of Darkness Uh, because it had tons of special features that I loved, and I think that is what scary stuff can be. Right, Joe? Yes. Okay.
0: You finally did it right. It's got like a
1: 90-minute documentary on the making of Army of Darkness that's fantastic. It's got everybody but Raimi. Mm -hmm. It's got alternate endings it had a very bleak original ending it's got the original cut the director's cut the international cut okay and the tv cut like for broadcast tv cut which is pretty amazing i'm not going to watch all four of them uh you can watch some deleted scenes you can watch different cuts uh there's a documentary on the making of it you know how they made this you know Harryhausen type uh, deal on such a low budget it's great stuff I my favorite thing even with a movie I don't like is to watch one of these documentaries that goes from like script to marketing and failure or success of the movie and there's too few of them on DVDs this has a great one I recommend it
0: you know, it was originally titled uh, Evil Dead 3. Yes. And then it was also going to be called Medieval Dead. Yes. And uh, they set it apart for some reason.
1: Well, they, yeah, they decided that not enough people know the franchise. They didn't want to be tied to it. The movie wound up doing fine, but not not a huge hit by any means.
0: Well, let's take it on into the review of the film.
1: Yes. And it was marketed as a comedy, which I feel it kind of is.
0: It is. They keep talking
1: about how they shouldn't have marketed it as a comedy. It's a comedy.
0: No, I absolutely do think it's a comedy. Uh, When I was a kid, I was already an Evil Dead 2 fan when this film came out, and I didn't realize it was part of the uh, series until I saw, I was in the video store, and they had a section called Prequels and Sequels, Mm -hmm. and Army of Darkness was on it, and then they told you what franchise it was related to for each movie. So I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know that this was a sequel to Evil Dead. I got to see this. Uh, and that was when I first saw it. Um, as a kid, I really enjoyed the film quite a bit. It takes place after Evil Dead 2, which ends with uh, Ash getting sucked into this time vortex thing. And he lands in like medieval times. Right. Not the restaurant. Yes. Uh, apparent, which apparently is where this Necronomicon comes from or whatever that causes all this trouble. This book that causes all the problems. Uh, so then, the third movie, Army of Darkness, is him trying to figure out how to get the hell out of there and get home. Um, when I was a kid, I really, really enjoyed this film. As an adult, I almost never ever want to watch it. It's it's too. The beauty of Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two are the fact that there are humorous aspects sprinkled over a traditional horror film. An actual horror film. Those Much movies, more so in 2 than 1. Yeah. 1 is pretty horror. Those movies are legitimately f- scary, and when they are funny, which Evil Dead 2, is, or Evil Dead 1 isn't really funny much, but Evil Dead 2, when it is funny, it is not funny because there's a gag or a joke. It's funny because you see a man reacting to an insane situation, Yeah, and he doesn't know how to react to it. He's freaking out. Yeah. And 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 a lot of it is a lot of why it's funny is that there's the occasional gag where like I mean even like when the hand grabs his head and it's slamming him he's slamming his own head into the floor yeah it's like that's funny for obvious reasons but it's also still believable like if your hand got possessed and your hand wanted to hurt you that's probably what it would do right Um, uh, army of darkness on the other hand goes full on into self-aware comedy. At, this is where Ash becomes the smart ass, you know, quip, you know, very full of himself. Right. Guy. And he's not that in part two. In part two, Ash is a guy that's forced to figure out how to become a warrior in a in a extreme circumstance. I don't like that in part three, suddenly he's he's Rambo. Suddenly, he's the guy that's like, I've been around this block before. It's like, well, you sort of have for two hours last night before you got sucked into this time thing. Right. But Uh,
1: now that's sort of the same energy they brought
0: into the TV show, and you loved the show. I didn't love the show. I loved the first season. Okay. I thought the second season was... The first season, I was willing to go with it, and I liked the comedy I was willing to roll with because I thought it... I thought they at least got the show closer back to the Evil Dead roots, which they did. Uh-huh. Uh, and there were twists and turns, and it was interesting. But, like, the, the pilot
1: of Evil Dead, or the pilot of the show, Ash vs. Evil Dead, has that scene that had me dying where he steps on all the light bulbs. That's, like, how it starts. It's a comedy right out the gate.
0: Uh, well, the difference was this. The, the, the threats in, Evil, in Ash vs. Evil Dead were threats yeah in this movie you've got skeletons walking around talking like they're the groucho marks and shit like that you know what i mean it's just it's too much um
1: i liked all that shit i think the reason i really wanted to see this so much when i was a kid is i was really into (laughs) which uh might surprise you that i wasn't more popular uh i was very into like that stuff like Harryhausen type stuff, Nightmare Before Christmas type stuff. Yeah, it, I like that stuff. The stop motion, I always like the claymation specials and all that. But um, yeah, this when I saw this, it was the first Evil Dead I saw. I was really worried because I saw it at like a sleepover that I was going to be too scared of it. And then I was like, oh, this is like Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. This is really fun. And they, and they talk about wanting to do a different tone for each of the Evil Deads. I love a comedy horror when done well. I wasn't dying laughing at Army of Darkness until the the reshoot part at the end. I I thought that was really funny with the uh in the store when he's like price check on aisle gun or you know like all those yeah. quips.
0: That part's I like that part a lot. Come get some. Come get
1: some. I yeah. do too. Uh Bridget Fonda weirdly. Yeah. It's his girlfriend for like 10 seconds in it. They said she was just a fan of Evil Dead and wanted to do it. Yeah. Um it's an hour 20 minutes the movie i mean i i had a good time with it um you know i i i I like that aspect of it i thought that evil dead 2 when i saw it was pretty damn funny this one goes more into like a three stooges territory like much more when the when the little ashes are like stabbing him and stuff you know like that's just like slapstick comedy
0: yeah it's it becomes a little too much for me the uh the you know, now in "Drag Me to Hell," Raimi gets back to a little more of the tone
1: Love of Drag Evil to Dead
0: Two, yeah, which is there are funny things in there, yeah, but he's not going for the gag every time. But that's the problem too with Ash versus Evil Dead, or that's what happened halfway. Th- half of the second season was too goofy, yeah. It was too funny. It was too joking the joke the whole time. It was too. I only saw the first season. The stakes became very diluted because even Ash didn't seem to be taking it all that seriously. Right. I never even saw the third season. Yeah. Because I was like, "Wait, you're bringing a daughter into this now? Like, right. Uh, I'm I'm done. Um. I love Sam Raimi. I love Ted Raimi. I love Bruce Campbell. I'm a fan of the work that all the people on that show did. The entire cast. But uh, but I just I don't like when it goes too hard for the joke. I yeah. just don't care for that. Um, not when it's this. If you're talking about you know Jonah Hill made a horror comedy, fine. Right. I'm not expecting him and Danny McBride to to to, to deliver yeah. something truly scary. But you know when it's something like this, it's like you know keep it keep this once it's once everything is a joke, the stakes are gone. This is always my gripe with the Marvel movies. Once you're making a joke every 10 seconds, there are no stakes because it seems now that nobody's taking this seriously. Sure. Um Anyway, that's my take on Evil Dead or, or or an army of darkness. I'm not I'm not without joy. I'm not against watching the film. Yeah. I uh, just think compared to the other two it's it's lacking.
1: I agree that it's lacking.
0: <laughs> I dug it. I like that vibe. You almost
1: never get a movie like this anymore the fantasy Conan the Barbarian type that they don't make them. And if they do, they star a wrestler and they're in theaters for a week. But um, I dug it. I had a good time with it. If you're a fan of the movie, I mean, this Blu-ray is an absolute must own. I know there's eight million versions of uh, this movie on Blu-ray. But this is the one to get. And uh, I dug it. I, I may or may not return to the show. I love Bruce Campbell. He says in the thing it's the only time he was ever the star of a studio release. Uh, <laughs> Army of Darkness sat on the shelf for like two years And he said it kind of really stalled out his career And he has conflicted feelings about it himself Because he had done this big thing But nobody knew about it and He right. sat around having like trained And gotten in the best shape of his life For two years and nobody wanted to cast him Because they didn't know he was in this Um. Anyway You know Evil Dead has some big supporters I think people really love this movie I'm surprised to hear you say Yeah uh, I don't it, hate it. I just think it gets yeah. too
0: funny. And it, this is why I got mad when the, when the Evil Dead remake came out, which I thought was awesome. It was. And people were complaining, going, it's not funny. It's like, this was never supposed to be funny first. Right. That, that's what it evolved into. This was supposed to be scary first. Stop fucking complaining that there aren't enough jokes in the Evil Dead remake.
1: But I was surprised by that as well, because it is one of the few movies that goes for that tone. So when the reboot just went straight, you know, like really extreme horror, I was kind of thrown by that, too. Maybe because it was really traumatizing in a few parts of that movie. It's
0: one thing to say, hey, I was thrown off. I thought maybe it was going to be a little funny, but it yeah. wasn't. Okay. That being said, dot, 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 people were literally like using that as a strike against it. Right. Had sure. this, this movie misses all the humor and joy of the previous. It's like, did you watch the previous fucking movies? Yeah. Anyway. All right, folks. That's our show. Uh, plugs. W- what is this? this is the first episode of uh, September. So I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be in China and Japan performing um, this month. Have you ever performed there? I've performed in China, but not Japan. Okay, guys. I don't know the venues or anything yet, but uh, but uh, it's happening. I've got my flights. I'm coming out there, and then I'll be at the Red Clay Comedy Festival in in Atlanta the third weekend of September. Uh, And then that'll launch me into uh, a few gigs around the southeast of uh, the United States. I know we're supposed to be doing Asheville, North Carolina and some other places. Um, Don't worry, the show will go on. Pat and I are recording far in advance so we don't miss any episodes. That's right. Uh, And it's Joe DeRosa comedy on Instagram.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we should definitely plug our live show October 20th here in Los Angeles at Oh My Ribs. There are two shows at 7.30 and 9.30. Uh, you can buy one ticket or or uh, a ticket to both shows. We'll be going out afterwards. Go to the See You in Hell pod Instagram to find the link. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at ThePatrickWalsh. We have a Facebook page for We'll See You in Hell run by Emily Florence, which is fantastic. Uh, her and Ken Hanley have really been taking care of the merch and uh the the live show merch is available at the hog house page on etsy give it a google uh cool kids premiere september 28th on fox that's a show i'm running now that's all i got we'll be back uh next time i don't think we have a a movie selected but we'll get to it that's all i got we'll see you next time and we'll see you in hell
0: the show.